ideal of being awake or living consciously is something that is ongoing in every single moment. It's ongoing in every single moment. And to be awake is simply to be conscious, you know? So if right now it's just about us having a conversation, but also understanding in the fluidity of our conversation that although we're two separate bodies, we're actually one. We are sharing one experience of being here together in this moment, right? Sharing words, sharing ideas, sharing space. Welcome to the Revolutionary Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and every week I interview unique game changers from local heroes to business icons to innovative CEOs, all from different parts of the world, exposing a new frontier of leadership. Grounded in emotional intelligence, in our conversations we explore authentic and raw stories ranging from resilience, impact, and transformation as they bring in a new era of compassionate leadership, using what I like to call emotional grit into their own lives. If you're curious to know more, check us out at emotionalgrit.com. All right, everybody. So um, today we are at this beautiful, amazing oasis in the middle of Delhi. Yeah. I feel like I'm in Bali right now. Nice. Hanging out with you. Um, and today we're here with Dejas. Yes. In the heart of um, Devang House. And tell us a little bit about... Devang House. There's so many unique, different pieces and elements. Mm. Um, and take us on on that journey. First sure. of all, tell us about Devang House, and then sure. we kind of want to know how you got started with everything. Sure. So <clears throat> this space that we're sitting in today, it's called Devang House. Um, primarily, it's an organic cafe mm -hmm. that runs seven days a week. But as its its ideal is to be a part of a, a larger movement around living consciously. Mm. And part of the function that it serves around that ideal is it's also an event space, an intentional event space. Mm -hmm. So three to four times a week, we host various events like yoga nights. We do meditation sessions, Tai Chi. We do cooking workshops. Um, we do Ayurvedic workshops. So the whole idea of this space is to bring people together around the ideals of living consciously mm. and living in harmony with nature and living wholesome, healthy lives. Yeah. And the last component of what it is, is um, we also retail products, um, natural lifestyle products, herbal medicines um, that we develop with scientists on our team and um, scientists that we work with outside of India as well. Mm. I mean, it seems like, I mean, I've come to India quite yeah. a bit in the last like year or so, and I feel like every time I've come, <coughs> I've also hosted events here as yeah. well. And yeah, ever since I was introduced to this whole space, it's kind of, it's it's the gem that's been missing, I mm. feel like, in, in the heart of Delhi. Such yeah. a, like, you know, booming and bustling city, yeah. yet we are the birthplace of, like, Ayurveda and, you know, all of the things that the Western world is dying to yeah. have, yet there isn't really that presence here yeah. in Delhi. And it's kind of, um, take us to how you actually got to this journey living yeah. in New Delhi because your accent doesn't seem like you were born or raised here so mm. take us through that hero's journey sure so um, I was born in Singapore I lived there for about three three years of my life mm -hmm. and then I moved to Delhi so Delhi has been my home but I went to the American school in Delhi mm. so I may sound American but I'm pure Desi at heart and um, I grew up in in India and then went to Boston for university mm. 
And um, my experience in Boston was probably a really significant eye-opening part of my life because in Boston is where I encountered the sort of tragic irony that you're describing. <clears throat> Firstly, I think for me, um, part of it was this romantic vision that I had of life in the West, you know? Mm -hmm. My entire life I grew up watching Hollywood movies, watching Friends on TV, and I had this very idealized view of what life in America would be like, you know? And I reached there and it was definitely that. I was in a country where human beings had everything. Mm -hmm. Everyone had a car, everyone had a house, everyone had a TV, most kids had Playstations, everyone had a food, everyone had food. Mm -hmm. So in terms of comfort and basic needs, everyone was well taken care of. But despite that, it seemed to me that there was sort of a pervasive dissatisfaction with life. Mm -hmm. um, I realized for the first time the prevalence of dependence on drugs. I mean, in America, I felt like for every little element of life, there was a drug that people were dependent on, whether that was to wake up, whether that was to focus, whether that was to go to sleep, whether that was alcohol on the weekends. The whole way that society functioned seemed deeply neurotic and it lacked a sense of joy. And to me, it just didn't make sense that how can a society have everything and still be so deeply dissatisfied. But while that is happening, I also witnessed, you know, I, was, I went to Babson College, mm -hmm. which is in a small town in Massachusetts, yeah. and in Wellesley, Massachusetts. One of the best entrepreneurial schools in the world. Yes, yeah. yeah. So in Wellesley, Massachusetts, I witnessed this amazing phenomenon that was taking place. Mm -hmm. And as far as we sort of objectively saw what was happening in that community, it seemed to us that Wellesley, mom, Wellesley moms in those neighborhoods were famous for two things. One is that they loved having brunch, and the second is that they were all yogis. Mm. It was as if the, the stature of a Wellesley housewife in society was directly proportional to her ability to do a handstand. Mm, they, they loved yoga, mm. because there they were beginning to wake up to the fact that it's not just about having stuff, mm -hmm. it's not just about being comfortable, but it's about evolving mm -hmm. and having a meaningful life. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to leading a meaningful life, a lot of that knowledge, a lot of that wisdom has always existed in this country. Mm -hmm. And India is a hub of that wisdom. Mm -hmm. Now to speak to what you said, the, the weird part about it is now if you come to Delhi, if you go to Bombay, if you go to Bangalore, if you go to all our cities, you see just cities. Yeah, and we've talked about this, we've had those conversations. Yeah. and it's. You know, it's it's so it's so interesting in the irony that you know I think that India's been trying to be like that West, yet there's yeah. so much, um, so many gems around. Well, now what we see on the West in the Western world, everyone's burning out, and they're coming to India to heal. Yeah. So you've kind of done something reverse in what you've been kind of creating here. And I yeah. want to say you're kind of, you're like starting this movement yeah. here. Whereas maybe perhaps in Rishikesh or in Kerala, yeah. it's more pronounced, but here where the people like, like are dying to, or craving yeah. to have it, it's starting to kind of bubble up. Yeah, you're, <clears throat> you're right. And you know, that's another reason why it's funny is because to say that we're starting it is strange because it's existed for tens of thousands of years. But the problem that has sort of happened in the last 
50 to 100 years in India is the way that we've treated this knowledge has lacked a, a level of contemporary you know, tuning. Mm -hmm. like, if most people in my generation in India or in our generation in India, if you tell them, uh, say yoga, if you say Ayurveda, they think of Nani and Dadi and this bygone era. Right. They don't associate it with modern, relevant, meaningful existence. Right. They where, will trust the doctors and they'll trust every single drug that's on the market. Yeah. Versus, you know, the holistic health that's been around for yeah. thousands of years. Whereas in California and New York and London and Berlin and Bali and Hong Kong, what's happened is because they don't have this, this baggage of history and ancestry with this knowledge, mm -hmm. it, it's penetrated society in a very chic, in a very contemporary way. It's the models and celebrities that are doing it. So that sort of treatment, that aura around a conscious way of life is yet to really take shape in India. But that, that is what we want to be a part of, you know? Making yoga and Ayurveda and a vegetarian conscious lifestyle contemporary mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and meaningful to a, a globalized high-tech world. Yeah, and I mean, so so you 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 go you grow up in in Boston, and you basically are kind of exposed to you know the first steps of kind of um, yoga and Ayurveda, and like some of your you know cultural richness yeah. in the center of Boston. Yeah. So then, how do you get from Boston to kind of you know coming back hmm. to India? Yeah. And I know that you know you are an author as well, yeah. and so. How do, how do some of those pieces kind of fit into that, you know, puzzle? I, I think it's just a, a parallel of my own personal journey. Yeah. And, and it's actually not, Boston is not the, the place where I first encountered these points of knowledge or these ways of life. Throughout my entire life, my upbringing in India, I've always been exposed to meditation. We've visited ashrams around the country. We've visited monasteries in Tibet and Nepal. Mm. I've been exposed to natural medicinal practices. So it's always been a part of my life. What changed when I went to America is I valued it differently. Mm. For, the first time in, for, for the first time in my life, it wasn't imposed on me to, to study the Vedas or to practice meditation. I did it out of my, my own inclination. Mm. And being in an environment where it wasn't the norm is where I realized the significance of it. You know, the significance of something like family, of eating together. And the significance of living in this way, you know? And um, once that started dawning on me, it started dawning on me also that the way I had been educated by my family, by my parents, by the environment of a, a spiritual home in India is, is an education that a lot of the world was not receiving. The, the intensity, um, the competitiveness, the fragmentation, of the world that we have created, the societies that we have created, totally. lack this wholesome groundedness, this alignment with self, this alignment with nature. And me having been privileged to have received that in, in my home, I recognize this need to share it in a way that it could gently be experienced by more people. Mm. And whether that's in the form of consciously designed products or consciously designed spaces or consciously served food. Mm. It's about the whole, every element of life mm. and living a wholesome life and making that available and accessible to people yeah. in a way that's not intrusive. Totally. And 
so when you were when you were um, kind of you know designing this whole experiential feel mm. um, in the heart of you know where people would generally think like oh that's totally you know that's totally for for other people or that's totally for our nannies and daddies our yeah. grandparents or that's our grandparent generation what like how are you supposed to be creating a business going to a entrepreneurial business school yeah um, how was it accepted how was it received mm. you know initially yeah coming back here and kind of you know staking your foot in the ground yeah. and kind of going against what the current really yeah. was because you could have done this in san francisco or new york yeah. or bali or any of those places and you chose you know new delhi yeah um <clears throat> and you know the funny thing about it is i'm pretty confident if we had started in san francisco we'd already be on to our 15th location yeah. and we'd be sitting on a pile of cash right mm -hmm. and while we know that that is also a part of our ambition mm -hmm. to 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 make this um a vision that can spread throughout the world. We just had this emotional need for it to start in India, mm. for it to start in the place that served us this knowledge, that taught us this knowledge in the first place. Mm. And definitely, you know, even today, after a year of being open, we'll have guests who come in and ask for chicken tikka and dal makhani and a beer with their dinner. Mm -hmm. And obviously none of those are things that we serve, right? right? right. But when they try, you know, an organic ginger tea, when they try, you know, chilas like you had for breakfast this morning, yeah. and they experience how good it feels, how good it tastes, that's when that perception of health being, you know, dissatisfactory or um, organic food being less tasty, right, right. less it wholesome. It doesn't taste good, yeah. it's not sweet enough, it's, yeah. Yeah, that, that vanishes. Mm -hmm. So it really is about a inviting them to have that first experience, you know? And still, you're right, we're in an environment where not everyone is aligned for it, and not everybody wants it. Mm. A lot of people are comfortably numb in their unhealthy lifestyles, right. and are okay with that. Right. And our intention is not to force it upon anyone, mm. but to, to make it available. Mm. And what's happening definitely is the ones who are seeking it are coming to us, and more, more people that experience it and are be being exposed to it are beginning to change their way of thinking and change their way of life. Right, because it's not, you know, it's not necessarily this, you know, this, this, um, these diets, you know, mm. and, and in the West we have all of these, you're vegan, you're paleo, yeah. you're sugar-free, you're dairy-free, you're gluten-free, all these things. And yeah. Obviously, it's been since the industrial, you know, revolution yeah. kind of, we've had to, in the States, we've had all of these like um, different ways of kind of scaling food. Yeah. So our wheats and all of these things now, we have, you know, a lot of the GMOs yep. that have kind of emerged throughout the world yeah. and so there is obviously the education standpoint there but then obviously in India you have other issues right yeah. you know there's not enough clean water or you know the sanitation and all of yeah. those things but for those that are actually ready to eat more wholesome yeah. and you know kind of change the perception yeah. it's, it's about you know the perception and the perspective the way that we kind of you know um, look at things and I think you're doing it so beautifully where yeah. it's not completely intrusive yeah. but it's almost like and it's you've actually created a lifestyle because yeah. people can come here hang out and kind of um, you know partake or not partake yeah. and so but obviously you know 
with any sort of um, entrepreneur or with any sort of kind of uh, movement that you're creating, mm. there's obviously, you know, some challenges. Yeah. And so I speak to entrepreneurs all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what were some of those challenges or what have been some of the, I didn't realize this has only been open for a year. Actually. Yeah. Amazing, like amazing yeah. track record. So what have been some of those stumbling blocks that you've been like, oh my gosh, should we just serve dal and, and, yeah. and chicken, yeah. you know, um, because we need mm. to make, you know, whatever this yeah. goal or, you know, have, uh, you know, this amount of money or revenue or whatever. So what were some of those challenges that you faced early on? Um, I think for us as a brand, one of the, the biggest challenges has been to build a trust with our consumers. This word, you know, as you, you were talking about, there's fad diets. Organics is also, and greenwashing is, is a part of an emerging fad, right? Mm -hmm. In India, while the regulation is still catching up to the market, mm -hmm. you can slap organic on top of anything and sell it. That's kind of scary. It is scary, <laughs> and it's happening. It's happening. Oh my gosh. I, I, people in my team have talked about how they've been to farmer's markets, organic farmer's markets, where a vendor will go to a, a regular sabzi mandi in the morning and sell it at the organic farmer's market in the afternoon. So with those kinds of practices happening in the market, with a relatively um, young level of regulation, you know, in this industry, there's a lot of mistrust. Yeah. There's a lot of mistrust with the providers, um, with the authenticity of these kinds of products or these kinds of services. And our, our, one of our challenges, like I said, has been to, to prove to our audiences that what we're doing is of the highest quality, is done with a lot of integrity, is done with a lot of concern about the origins of the ingredients, about the way the ingredients are prepared, mm -hmm. about the shelf life of those ingredients. We make everything fresh, you know? Mm. We don't put preservatives in anything. We source all our ingredients directly from farmers that we know and we interact with. Mm. So being able to tell that story and being able to, to showcase that in a consistent way so that we can build that trust with our conscious consumers has been a challenge, but one that's definitely exciting. Mm -hmm. One that's exciting and one that we recognize that in the long term will be, you know, the effort that creates ambassadors of this movement. Yeah. Well, to my, to my next question, yeah. I mean, it's obviously, you know, uh, planting seeds for other people to kind of follow in yeah. you know, this, this new, I guess you can say from a business standpoint, this new market that's yeah. emerging, um, you know, in these larger cities. How have you responded to that? And are you, have you taken like a, you know, a mentorship role or an advising role? Or are you just going to kind of, you know, build out Devang House yeah. into these other areas? Yeah. <laughs> um, our ambition is to roll out cafes similar to this and in sort of different evolved formats as well um, throughout this country and actually our ambition is throughout the world. We've had offers for expansion in Dubai, in London, in Hong Kong, in Bangkok, um, in Chandigarh, in Bombay. So these are all cities that we eventually want to open our spaces in. And when it comes to mentorship, I feel very much at a stage right now where I'm the one who needs to be mentored. And I'm we all, lucky. Yeah, we yeah. all have to be mentored. Yeah, and I'm lucky to have people like you and conscious people who surround me and and, you know, we all have skills and we all have weaknesses. And to complement those weaknesses with people who, who understand them and can fill those gaps with their experience, mm -hmm. that's, that's a blessing of living in a world where there's more than one person, mm -hmm. is that there's always room to grow and learn. 
So I'm I'm fortunate to you know people like Anuragji as well to mm -hmm. to to guide me on how to how to make this a business because for me I mean I went to entrepreneurship school but I really didn't like studying business mm -hmm. and at Babson I ended up taking more classes in the arts than in business okay. and that's my forte my forte is is nature mm. being in touch with nature my forte is writing and painting and speaking mm. but how to to encompass this wholesome vision of life into a business that can be scaled, that can be accessed by more people. That's something that we are learning every day. Mm. When you, and when you say that, you know, playing on your strengths. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you speak so eloquently mm. and um, obviously you're a writer as well. But for a lot of entrepreneurs who are kind of going after chasing their vision mm. um, in whatever capacity, what what would you say was your biggest strength in kind of, you know, sourcing out all of this to kind of manifest and come true for you? Even though perhaps maybe business wasn't your strong suit, yeah. you did it anyways. Yeah. And we're right here in the middle of this and obviously there are investors chasing you, yeah. you know, and knocking at your door. So what do you think your biggest strength was and, you know, do you really need that? I mean, at some level, yes, you need some yeah. sort of business acumen. Yeah. But like, do you really need that, you know, for in going after some of these, you know, these passions that you're so yeah. um, keen on? I think one knack that entrepreneurs have across the board and really what distinguishes an entrepreneur from a non-entrepreneur. At Babson, one of the debates that we love to have was, can, can you create an entrepreneur or is it an implicit feature an implicit quality in a human being that one is either born with or born without. Mm -hmm. So while that debate continues, I think one theme that is common across entrepreneurs is the feeling that you are solving a need. Mm -hmm. That's it. For me, even if I, d I'm, I don't like Excel and I'm, I don't consider myself a great accountant yeah. or adept at finance, I recognize that what we are doing with Devang is we are solving a fundamental need. Mm. And that fundamental need is that human beings who care about the way they look, about the way they feel, about the health of themselves, about the health of the environment, want to eat food, want to consume products that are in alignment with those goals. Mm -hmm. And right now, quite simply, the access to products, food like that, is, is next to non-existent, mm -hmm. if at all. So we are just fulfilling that need that human beings have. My sister and I said that, we, my sister came back from London, I came back from Boston, and we did not have a place in Delhi where we felt like we could hang out, mm. where we felt like we could meet like-minded people, mm. where it wasn't just about going and getting drunk and right. you know, having fragmented, superficial conversations, yeah. And that's it, we were very selfish in that we built it for ourselves. We built a place where we could trust the food as much as we trusted the food that we got at home. Mm. And that's what we want to do for people. You know, people should be able to come here and, and trust it and be free and be light mm. and be happy mm. and leave with those same, those same feelings. Mm. I feel like I could talk to you all day about this yeah. stuff. It's like my jam. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it's a mission, you know? That's why it's, it's really exciting the way universe brings people like you and I and so many others like us together naturally. It's an organic it's an organic interaction totally. because we are, it's more than just a product. It's more than just a video. It's actually a mission that we are on, a mission that involves human beings waking up, coming together and 
designing, curating more beautiful, conscious, ecstatic lives. So, and so this is a question I get a lot, and hmm. I want to hear your perspective on sure. it because you're super conscious. And so, you know, this idea of, you know, you have one stream of thought, right? I work with a ton of um, entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley, and you know, they're just kind of going, 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 and they have this like, you know, this these these goals and benchmarks that they want to achieve. Mm. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where it's kind of, you know, the idea of being and, okay, what happens when you actually wake up? Mm. So if somebody is actually on this cusp, maybe they're doing, you know, uh, you know, maybe they're doing a job that their parents want them to do, or maybe they're, you know, kind of in transition of, you know, maybe wanting to start something on their own, but they're too afraid or they don't think they have the resources, they don't think that they're knowledgeable as yet, or all of these beliefs that we have that keep no. us back or that hold us back. How would you define someone that is awake? Mm. What does that, what does being awake yeah. or being conscious mm. mean to you? Yeah. Um, I think um, one great disservice that a lot of commercial gurus have done in this world today is they've given this, um, this narrative of waking up or being awake or enlightenment as an instantaneous thing. Mm. That throughout my life I was asleep, one minute I woke up and then from then on I was awake. That's a fallacy. That's just not true. Mm. The ideal of being awake or living consciously is something that is ongoing in every single moment. It's ongoing in every single moment. And to be awake is simply to be conscious, you know? So if right now it's just about us having a conversation, but also understanding in the fluidity of our conversation that although we're two separate bodies, we're actually one. We are sharing one experience of being here together in this moment, right? Sharing words, sharing ideas, sharing space. When it's sitting with a cup of tea or sitting with a plate of food, it's being conscious. Right, of where has this food come from? Right? Where have the ingredients for this food come from? How is it prepared? Right? When it's being in, in the shower, it's about being totally in the shower and not thinking about what the hundred things that you have to do in that day. And that's somebody who's conscious in the shower is going to question the chemicals in their shower gel and is going to opt for oils and bathing powders naturally. So it's not as if any of us ever really woke up and then we're awake permanently. Mm -hmm. All of us have moments when we're conscious and moments when we're not. Mm -hmm. And the ideal is to, through practices like meditation, chanting, mindfulness, you know, through the grace of the universe, of nature, who gives us life, mm -hmm. to be more and more conscious throughout each moment. Mm -hmm. I love it, I love it. I think that like, you know, um, it's being present. Yeah, really, that's it. You know, it's just being present that's it. every single moment. Yeah. And when you're more present, you are generally awake. Yes. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, that's it. And so, um, as we wrap this up, yeah. you know, uh, what does it mean when I say revolutionary? What does that actually mean to you? Mm. Well, I have to be honest, when you said that word just now, I... I thought of, um, what was that, that Rand Paul was his name? Mm. He had that, his slogan when he ran for president was revolution and he took out the love, 
from Revo mm -hmm. Revolution. Did I get his name right? Mm -hmm. I don't no, know. No, it was his dad. What was his name, Ajit? Yeah. <laughs> there was an American president okay. when he ran for... I have to look it up, yeah. Okay. An American presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. um, when he ran for president, he, he took out the love from Revolution. Love are some of the letters in revolution. And um, that's what's needed. Love for each moment, love for each other, love for ourselves. That's what's needed. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. How can people find you, yeah. all of the things that you're up to, yeah. and this incredible space? Um, best way to connect with the movement that we're trying to build is our website, which is devang.house, devang.house. Devang.house, yeah. okay, great. And uh, to follow us on our social media platforms mm. and um, to follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, and when you guys are in Delhi, obviously. You yes, you gotta stop by. Yeah. We're opening our next cafe here next month. Oh, okay, and, um, where at? At Khan Market. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. So we're trying to go more high street now and make yeah. it available to more and more people. Thank you so much for spending time today. Thank you. It was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Revolutionary Leadership Podcast, where you can learn from unique game changers on how to enhance your human potential and uncover the new era of leadership using the methodology of emotional grit. For a full series of podcasts and access to additional resources, please visit emotionalgrit.com. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please spread the love and give us a five-star rating on iTunes and share it with your friends. We would so love your feedback.